Parashat Ekev begins with some of the most beautiful berachot that we find in the entire Torah. I'll read for you the berachot in the second pasuk. Va'ahevecha. Hashem will show you love. Doesn't mean Hashem will love you. Hashem loves us always. Hashem has what's called unconditional love. Ba'ahevecha means He will show you love. Sometimes you love somebody, but He doesn't let you show Him the love. It makes it hard for you to show Him love because it might hurt Him. Ba'ahevecha means Hashem will show you love. Which means, what does that mean, He'll show you love? It means, it means that you will receive things and you will actually feel the love when you get what he sends you. The very big item. A person can get in life things and a person can get love through things. Does that make any sense? Say one more time. A person in life can get something or he can get love through something. It's a very different kind of life. Let me give you an example. Actually, it's in this week's parasha. In this week's parasha, we learn about the mitzvah of a hundred berachot a day. It says over there, Moshe Rabbeinu tells Am Yisrael, Ve'ata Yisrael, Now Yisrael, Ma Adonai Elohecha Shoel Me'imach. What does Hashem want from you? And He says He wants you to love Him. He wants you to serve Him. He wants you to be in awe of Him. He wants you to go in His ways. What does He want from you? Hazal tell us these are very high, these are very high uh, achievements to love Hashem, to emulate Him, to serve Him. But it starts all with the word ma. Ma mem he. Right? Hazal say, don't read it ma. Ma means what? But read it with an additional letter. Ma. A hundred. A hundred berachot a day. If you make a hundred berachot a day, you're on your way to all the beautiful things in that pasuk. The question is, what's the idea of berachot? What is the idea behind the beracha? We're learning here that the beracha that we make on a daily basis, one hundred times, Many of us make many berachot. I'm not sure how much the berachot count, meaning in the sense of they're said usually, even if the one who says that, they're said in, in automatic rote. It's not with feeling that a sincere thank you. But a hundred sincere thank yous a day to the creator of the world, 100 times, start from the morning, berachot shahar. Say those berachot with sincerity. The amidah, the berachot of tefillah. When you eat something, when you go to the bathroom, 
a hundred of those berachot a day, but sincere, is life transforming. Berachot are not just mitzvot. They are mitzvot. But berachot are a transformation of a person's life. It's the beginning of the ladder of greatness. Who would have ever thought that making a beracha sincerely makes them climb the ladder of greatness? That's what the Pasuk says. Hashem asks us a few times, like When you eat, you get satiated, say a blessing. Give words of thanks. The question is like this. It's a very, very important question. I think it shed light on the whole subject of Berachot. We have two types of donors. There are some people, when they give money, they don't want anyone to know. I know people like that. And nobody would ever know that they give money. There are some people, donor number two, that only give money when they're noticed. Only when their name is called. Only when they have some sort of plaque. Now, it could be that your name to be called is a good thing because it gives people strength to give money as well. If we lived in a community where nobody knows that someone gives money, I'm not sure that I would be giving staka today. Or many of us will be giving staka. We never heard anyone give staka. We think nobody does it. One of the reasons why we all love to give is because we grew up where we know people gave. So surely if the person's intention to be called by name is to teach the people and his children about giving, that's a beautiful thing. If you want a plaque so you can make sure that you can give people a hezuk, they let people buy and spend money to, to, to build buildings. They spend money for projects of, of Kiddushah. That's a beautiful thing. But let's say the person we're talking about is not that guy. That's not what he's interested in. He just wants to be noticed. He wants kavod. He wants honor. So we have... In door number one, we have the donor who is pure, Lashem Shamayim, doesn't want anyone to know that he's giving the money. Doesn't even want to know who the guy is giving to. As long as he knows that that person is needy, he knows that, he verified it, doesn't want to know who it is. The other guy doesn't know who gave him. Door number two is a guy who doesn't only want him to know that he's giving him he wants everybody else to know also. Clearly we would say that if I asked you who is a higher level of giving door number one or door number two obvious door number one for a number of reasons. Door number one is greater A because it's more pure. It's more giving without any any, any side benefit. It's a pure giving. Another reason is that the person is not going to be embarrassed. When you give someone money, they're embarrassed. 
that they know that you need, they gave you. So by not showing who you are to the person they gave you, saves them from the busha, from the embarrassment of receiving money. The other person, although he's giving charity, and like you said, we will take it, but it's not the same level of charity as door number one. Which brings us to a very big question. The very big question. You know, Hashem wants us to be like Him. In fact, anything good in life is only good because that's what Hashem does. To walk in Hashem's ways is to become a perfect, great human being. So anything that He has is great. How do we know kindness is great? Because Hashem is kind. How do we know we're supposed to be patient? Because Hashem is patient. How do you know we're supposed to be emet? Hashem is emet. When you read about Hashem's attributes and His thoughts, that the purpose is for you to be like Him. That's why we are called the Tzalem Elohim. We're called an image of Hashem. What does it mean, an image? It means the same programming that goes into what makes God is what makes us on a smaller level. His greatness is really also within us. If we would act like Him, we would be like Him. So let's think about that. In the Torah, Hashem tells us, when you eat, when you're satisfied, I want you to bless me. So Hashem wants recognition? One second. Is Hashem's kindness door number one? Or is kindness door number two? When He gives us food, when He gives us all the benefits, many things that He's giving us, He says, bless me. I want you to bless me. He actually made the world in a way that we would know that He's the one that gives us what we have. When we eat, we know it's from Him. He made the world in a way that we would know, and He even told us about it. It would seem that Hashem is in the wrong door. Because door number one, it's anonymous, which would mean Hashem should have made the world, that He would give us everything that we need, and we wouldn't even know it's coming from Him. And certainly we wouldn't expect Him to turn around and tell us, guys, you know, I gave you, that was my food. Thank me. Let me see you do something to show your appreciation. So wait a second. That's God in the wrong door. We would have expected if door number one is the kindness, the top of kindness, we would expect anonymous, and we certainly would not expect the giver to say to the recipient, you know, you owe me for that one. I'd like to hear something from you. We would say, that's not so perfect. So it's interesting. Here we are trying to emulate God and trying to be like Him, and being like Him is the highest. And then when we come to this subject of Berachot, we see things that are lopsided. 
seems that Hashem Himself is not behaving in the godliness way that we would expect of Him? That's a very big question. So I want to share with you a very important thought. This is one of those thoughts that really changes not just one thought, but changes perspective in life. There are two types of ways that we give people. Sometimes we give people money or something that they need. The reason why we give it to them, because we know they're lacking. It could be a child that you give them a house or you give them food or you give them clothing or money. It could be a friend. It could be a neighbor. It could be a stranger that you know needs help. So you give them the purpose of that giving, yes, is to fill the needs of the person that you're giving to. There's another kind of giving. It's a giving not because the person is lacking. It's because you love the person. It's a gift. You go to a wedding, you write a nice check for the hatan, Write him a check for $200, $250, $500, $100, whatever it is. Give him a check and, you, and uh, you give him the money. Let's think about that. You know, there are two separate halachot when it comes to giving one of these two. When it comes to give people who need then, like we said, door number one is the best way. They don't know it's you. You don't know it's them. You get the money to them and fill their needs. Anonymous, the best. When it comes to a gift, Hazal tell us something interesting. That when you give someone a gift, you're not allowed to do it anonymous. Not allowed. If you give someone a gift and it's anonymous, it's not a gift. It's not what Hashem would say is called a gift. You can give gifts anonymously. Interesting. Not only is it a good thing, and you shouldn't do it. You give someone a gift, make sure you tell them. So I want you to tell, I bought you that item, that was from me. I got you those flowers. Don't, don't think it was, it was for me. Question is, why such a difference from a gift to giving someone charity? How come by charity, the highest level is that they don't know? But by a gift, the highest level, and maybe the only level, is that they do know. How come? You hear the question? For example, if you go to a wedding and you write a check anonymously to the hatan and he gets it, he opens the card, it says, Mabruk, I love you so much, anonymous. So that's no good. That is considered not a gift. The question is why such a stark difference 
between charity and a gift? And the answer is, there's a very big difference in the achievement of charity and the achievement of a gift. When you give charity, the goal is to give someone something that they're lacking. So therefore, the focus of charity is somebody is missing something. Which of course, when a person is lacking, it's embarrassing for him. He doesn't have money, can't buy food, doesn't have a place to live. It's embarrassing for him to feel missing something that others have. The focus of charity is filling in what's missing in the person's life. Therefore, there's a busha involved because that's where the focus is. So therefore, anonymous is the best way to do it because this way you save the guy from embarrassment. This way you get him what he needs without having to feel the embarrassment of a needy person. When it comes to gifts, it's a whole different story. You see, gifts are not meant to fill someone's need. When you give a hatan a check, it's not because he's poor. That's not the purpose of your gift. When you send someone flowers, it's not because they can't afford it. It could be they can't afford it, but that's not why you're sending it. The purpose of a gift is not the gift. The purpose of the gift is to show them the love. It's to show them and make them feel the love that you have for them. Because that love that they receive from you brings such a connection between you and them. That is why you give a gift. Now, to show love with feeling, you know, we live in the physical world. Really, love is a spiritual, a spiritual entity. You really should be able to show love even without saying a word. Forget giving something. Love is spiritual. If I love you, then that's something real. And you should be able to feel it. But we live in a physical world where there's a lot of walls between the spiritual feelings and the person receiving them. So therefore, in this world, to express love, we need something physical. Sometimes saying it is a start. But more than saying it, when you go and you write a check and you give of your own money, and even better, you write a card and you make it nice and you sign it and you write some beautiful words in that card. All of that is not about the card or the money. It's about the love that you're giving somebody. Let me tell you something. Love is the greatest gift you can give another human being. When a person feels loved, he feels sameach, feels happy. He feels strong. He feels supported. A person who feels loved is a very powerful person. That's why growing up in a home where there's ahava, where there's love, 
it creates powerful children. When you grow up in a home that's lacking love, and there are many homes that are lacking love, many, I don't mean broken homes, those are obvious. There are many non-broken homes that are lacking love. Well, you'll see a lot of gifts being given to the children, no doubt. So you'll say, oh, what do you mean there's no love in this home? Of course there's love in this home. Don't you see how many vacations they take their children? Don't you see how much they buy them? Don't you see how much they feed them? Don't you see how much money they're putting away for them, for their future? What do you mean there's no love in this home? Be careful not to measure love with what you give. What you give, not necessarily, is coming from love of the other person. It could be very often coming from loving yourself. There are many parents who use their children for love of themselves, which means they look better when their children look nicer. For example, when they buy them nice clothing to a wedding, they're thinking of how they look when their children look good. They're thinking how they look when their children have nice vacations. They're thinking how they look when their children have a nice place to live. Expensive car. Expensive car. Which means very often, parents live through their children. It's not so much that they're giving them out of love for them. It's more that they love themselves through them. Because now, especially if you get older and you become less relevant, now you have your children to become relevant again. And you're able to become relevant by through them, through their parties, through their cars, through their homes, through their business, through their charity. Through, you become, you're their father. So anytime your children do something, you feel like, hey, that's, you know, that's me. That's why when you hear a compliment about somebody else, sometimes you're okay with it. Sometimes it hurts you. You know, you hear this guy, what a great guy. You're right there. And they just keep talking about this guy. What a guy, what a guy. This guy. And you're just sitting there. And, and of course, you're saying, yeah, of course, of course. And you're waiting. You're waiting for the arrow to move to you. And it just never gets there. And you walk out saying, wow, look, terrible. Of course, you'll never say that. You'll walk out feeling, oh, I'm so, so happy for you. You'll say things like that, but we know what that means. When a guy says, I'm so happy for you, usually my rule book is, it means he wants to shit shiva. <laughs> that, that's the rule I have. If they don't say anything, it could be they're not so bothered. If they smile, maybe they're bothered a little bit. But if they say, I'm so happy for you, bad news, I'm telling you. The guy I don't, has something very, very hurtful in himself. That's the, I'm not saying everybody, but I'm telling you as a rule, take it for life, it'll help you. You'll understand people better. Because it's hard to be happy for someone else's success when you don't have it. You know, a girl's not married, and now her best friend got married, and, you know, it's very hard to be happy for her. Don't think. A person has no money to his name and his friend just made $100 million. It's not so easy to be happy. You have to know that when a person is missing, it's hard enough 
And when they have somebody close to them who got what they don't have, it's very difficult. So when they say, I'm so happy for you in that situation, you have to be extra suspicious. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm just saying you have to know where they come from. Also, your reaction will be better when you know that. Because when you know somebody's in pain, they say, I'm so happy for you, you might think they really are happy for you. And you might start, might start sharing with them more things than you have. Oh, I'm so happy that he got engaged. Oh, really? Let me tell you how I got engaged. Let me tell you where I'm going. Let me tell you what I got. Let me show you, the, let me show you my apartment. You didn't understand what they were saying to you. They were saying, I'm in pain. That's what they were saying. So when they were saying they're in pain, don't, 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 don't throw salt on their wound. Don't tell them also what they got for you. And, oh, you want to see my ring? You know how many carrots that ring is? You don't know what I did. You have no idea. I suffered two weeks to get this ring. And they're like, you're kidding me, right? So you got to be careful. When people say they're happy for you, be careful to understand what they're saying. Very often people don't mean what the words say. They mean something else. Very rare. To have genuine happiness when you're missing the same thing. It's very rare. You have to be a very big person to be happy for someone else who gets something that you desperately want. It's very hard. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible. That is very hard. But bottom line is, even a home that gives their children a lot, not necessarily, not necessarily are they giving love. You have to know that. And even if they're giving it out of love, not necessarily they're giving the message in a way that it's received with love. Sometimes you give with love, but you don't know how to do it. So the person definitely is getting love, but they don't know because you didn't have the right strategy of how to give it to them where they know that you love them. You know, one time I heard a beautiful story. I'll tell you a very beautiful story. It's in my mind for many years. Any story in my mind for many years, I know that it made a mark on me. I forget stories very fast. Some people, they remember stories. I don't remember stories. Ideas, I remember very good. But stories, somehow, they always slip my mind. So if I remember a story, I know it's living with me. There was a story that happened in the yeshiva in Eretz Israel about probably 70 years ago. It was in a place called Kifar Hasidim. There was a rabbi there, the Rosh Hashiva was Rabbi Eliyahu Lopian. At the time, he was a very old man, he was a big tzaddik. He had a yeshiva in this kfar. Kfar is like a, uh, a village. So the, 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 the boys dormed in the yeshiva, there was 100 boys, 200 boys. And the Rosh Hashiva every day would stand by the door of the Bet Midrash, by Tefillah. This way, the boys knew that he's watching. So if they would come late, they only, there was only one door to the Bet Midrash. There's no other way to walk in. So if a boy is late, he's embarrassed. The Rosh Hashiva is there. Sometimes there's even a consequence if he keeps coming in late. Anyway, story goes, one time a boy was late a couple of times. He woke up late again. He didn't know what to do. He wanted to go pray, but he didn't want the Rosh Hashiva to see him. So he had an idea. Behind the building, there are windows. If you climb through the windows, 
There's a room that will take you into the Ben Midash. So he figured, what an idea. He climbed from the window into the room. The room led from the back of the Bet Midrash. He's there praying on his way out. Rosh Shiva sees him. He says, wait. I didn't see you walk in today. He says, when did you get here? So the boy says, Rosh Shiva, I got here by Ashrei. Now, everybody knows there's two Ashrei's in the morning. There's an Ashrei all the way in the beginning. And there's Ashrei all the way in the end. So the rabbi looked at him with a serious face. He said, I want to tell you something. What you just did is called crooked. He says, crooked people are not going to be matzliyah in life in the real way. There's always an illusion of success with crookedness. But with crookedness, you don't succeed. He tells them the following line. Listen to this line. That's why I told you the story. He told them, if you would know how much I love you, I would smack you right now. What, a, what an unbelievable line that is. Think about that line. How beautiful and deep that line is. How many different things are learned from that line. Number one lesson is you can't give rebuke to someone unless he knows that you love him. Which means you loving him makes no difference. He has to know that you love him. If he doesn't know that you love him, smacking him, rebuking him with your words is not going to help. That's number one. Another big lesson is, you see, that loving somebody can happen without them knowing. Which means you could love someone to death, but the message is not getting there. You're not strategizing properly to get the love over to the person that you love. Your children and my children and anybody around us benefits tremendously from love. A spouse, a wife, tremendous power a person gives his wife when she feels love. You have no idea how you're destroying your marriage when you don't show love to your wife. Show means where she feels the love. It makes a powerful wife that you will be able to enjoy the ramifications and the results. But if you don't give the love, or you don't know how to give the love, or you don't love altogether, so then you have a very weak person who will end up doing a lot of things that you will complain about. And say, my wife, we don't know what she does, what she doesn't do, this, that, that. And little do you know, you are the cause. Because if she would have received the love from you, she would be a much more powerful person and would do things so much better and make your life so much sweeter. But you're not smart either. Again, you don't love, which is a, you need a different class for that. Or you do love, but you don't know how to say it. You don't know how to show it. And the person is sitting in your home feeling unloved. 
and you'll say, you'll swear up and down. What do you mean? I don't love my wife. I don't love my children. You know how many children feel unloved by their parents? The number is staggering. How many people, especially young people, don't feel like their parents really love them? How can it be? They give them so much. Because in their eyes, their parents are not giving them for love. They're giving them either out of obligation or they're giving them because it feels good for them to take care of their children. It feels good to be a parent who takes care of your children. I'm not like those parents who don't give their children. I give everything to my children. So it's all about you. You feel great being a great giver to your children. Don't think because you love or you give that it translates into love in the person that receives it. Don't think that. So therefore there are many, many wives and many husbands and many, many children that don't feel loved by the people who love them most. They do not feel the love. And when you don't feel loved, not when you love, if you don't feel loved, you become a weak person. Loved people are powerful people. Loved children are confident children and confident adults and responsible people when they feel the ahava. Ahava is more than a good feeling. Ahava is a feeling that empowers the person. When you give a gift to a hatan by a wedding, the goal of the gift is not the money. The goal of the gift, it's a strategy how to show them that you love them. Because look, you were willing to give them some money. Money is valuable to me and I'm willing to give it to you. But I don't just give them the money, I buy them a card. And I don't just buy them a card, I write something nice in that card. Even though really, you might say, oh, they care about the money. But I write a nice card and I say how much I love and appreciate them. And then I sign it. And then I close it nicely. And I give it to them in the most uh, respectful way. I don't just, you know, slip it or, or say, hey, hey, hold on. Here's your card, like a frisbee. I don't do that. I go over to them. I look them in the eye. I want to tell you how much I appreciate you. Here's a little something that I wrote for you. Please accept it from me. There's an art of showing people love. And many people don't have it. It's an art. It's not something automatic. Don't think showing love is like something you're born with. It's something you have to really work on. It takes strategy. It's a very big part of your happiness and success in life and, you, and the people you love most. If you would give a check to a hatan anonymously, you know what you just did? You turned, you turned the love that you want to give them into him being a charity case. Meaning if he sees 
Here's a check for 500 anonymous. How does he feel right now? Not only is he lacking the love that you want to give him, because how can he get love if he doesn't know it's you? But something even worse. Now he feels that you think that he's a charity case. Because you gave him money anonymously. That means you're giving him not to show him love. You're giving him because you think he's a Hazik case. So not only did you not give him love, you made him feel embarrassed. That's why Hazal tells us, when you give someone a gift, you must tell him who it came from. Because the whole purpose of a gift is to express your love. How could you give that anonymously? So now we have the two different worlds. The world of charity, that's best done with anonymous. I don't know you. You don't know me. I don't know that you're lacking. Take it. You don't know. The world of gifts is specifically not anonymous. Because it's not about the gift. It's not about the need. It's about the love. So therefore it has to be given in that way. It has to be signed off by the one who loves. Now, let's think for a moment back to our Creator. Hashem gives us all day, every day. All day He gives us gifts. Let's think for a second. Why does Hashem give us all the gifts that we have every day? What is in Hashem's mind when He's giving me in this morning that I woke up, my, I was breathing this morning, ah, the gift. This morning I woke up, my health was there, Baruch Hashem, big gift. I saw my family still around, thank God, Baruch Hashem, what a gift. I ate and it came down nicely through the food pipe into my stomach, Baruch Hashem. All these gifts that I'm getting. What is Hashem thinking when He's giving me the gift? Well, there's two possibilities. One, thi- one thought is, is a Hazik case. We're all Hazik cases. You just, you got to go to the doctor for one day and realize how big of a Hazik case we are. Just visit the hospital and see what's going on there. We're all Hazik cases. Hashem knows that we're Hazik cases. So these people don't have health on their own, don't, can't breathe on their own, don't have food on their own. So they're hazit, they're missing. So I got to give them charity. And it would be considered charity, believe me. Everything Hashem gives us, if, we, if He didn't give it to us, we'd be dead. So Hashem, theoretically, when He gives us, it's really could be considered on his end a charity. It definitely could be a tax deduction. No question. Or when Hashem gives us, although we do need, but when, he's, when He gives us, is He giving us from a mindset of charity? Or is He giving us from a mindset of love? Now, the difference, there's a few differences, 
One big difference is that the person who gives me charity, I'm not getting love from him. I'm getting what I need. So on one hand, I get my physical needs, but the love, I don't get. Because that's not why it was given. It wasn't given because he loves me. It was given because I need. Say, he came to fulfill my need. When Hashem gives us in this world every day, is he giving us in his mind like a charity case, which we are? Or is he giving us like a gift at a wedding? Is he giving us love through the gift? What's Hashem thinking? I don't know what he's thinking. You don't know what he's thinking. How would I know what God is thinking? When he writes in the Torah, when you eat, bless me. I gave it to you. Bless me. When he says, Ma Hashem, every time something good happens to you every day, say a blessing. I gave it to you. Thank me. It's me. Hello. I gave it to you. What is Hashem telling us when in the Torah he writes that we should thank him? That it's me who gave it to you. What is he saying? Huh? That it's a gift. If Hashem wouldn't write in the Torah that it's me, wouldn't know. That means we wouldn't know it's him, and that means we're a charity case. That means all our life Hashem is giving us because we're charity cases, we're Hazi cases. So we would get the items, but we wouldn't get the love. But Hashem says, no, no, I'm not giving it to you as charity case. You are a charity case, but I'm not giving it to you for that. I'm giving you because I want to show you love. How do we know he gives it out of love? We know because he told us that he gave it to us. And we know when you give a gift, you're supposed to tell the person. Because if you don't tell him, you're missing the love. So when Hashem in the Torah says, I gave it to you, hello, say a biracha, what he's saying, in other words, is that this is a gift for you. You're not my charity case. You're the one I love. I want you to feel the love. When you eat bread, don't just eat the bread because you need it. I didn't just give you the bread because you need bread. I gave you bread to show you my love. When I gave you this home, I didn't give it because you need it. I gave it to show you my love. And everything you have in life, I gave it to you not because you need it. I gave it to you because I want to show you how much I love you. And that's simple, by the way. Because Hashem didn't need to give us what we need. He's the one that made us missing altogether. He could have made us not missing. He could have made us not lacking. He made us lacking so He should be able to give us a gift so that He could express His love. That's why in the Torah, Hashem says, Yes, bless me, it's me. Because he wants you to feel the most important part of the bread he gives you. It's not the bread. Not the bread. That's the tastiest part of your meal. 
It's Hashem's love. When you sit tonight in Friday night dinner, the food isn't the tastiest. I give you my word. If you put your head focused, you will start to taste the love of Hashem through the food, through that kibbeh, through that lahamajin, through that hala, through that meat that you're eating. You're going to feel the taste of love so much more than the taste of the food. That's what, that's only if you live a life with beracha. It's only when you live a life of blessing. Because if you don't bless, it shows you never got the gift. If you don't say berachot in your days, everything that happens to you, a hundred berachot from the heart, if you don't bless Hashem for what He gives you, it shows you never got the gift. And if you never got the gift, then you surely didn't feel the love. And if you don't feel Hashem's love, you're missing. It's a big crater in your life. Walking around life, feeling Hashem's love wherever you go, is one of the most... I told you, if you're loved by your parents, you feel strong. If you're loved by your rabbi, you feel strong. If you're loved by your friend, you feel strong. If you're loved by Hashem, you feel like a nuclear bomb for the good. You feel nuclear energy. When you walk around with Ahava, that Hashem loves you, you walk around a very powerful person. Everywhere you go, there's confidence, there's strength, there's simha, there's energy. Why? Hashem loves me. When people in this world walk around down, unhappy, complaining, they can't wake up in the morning, they're not, they're not feeling the love. But they are being loved. But they're not feeling the love. They're not getting the memo. They're not making berachot. They're not making the blessings that show, confirm. I got the love. It's tonight when you say, I tell you with confidence that if you say it with your heart in the way I'm telling you now and understand it, tears will come down your eyes. I'm feeling the ahava, the love of this bread that Hashem, the love that's sitting in the bread. Haval, people all their life, they're just eating food when they could be eating love. They could be breathing love and they're breathing air. They could be walking, experiencing the love and all they do is just walking with their legs on the floor. There's so much love in what Hashem gives us. But you have to live a life of accepting that love. That is the life of a beracha. That's what it says in the beginning of this parasha. That was all an introduction, by the way. I really, I had so much more to say. I don't know how I got into this. I was, okay, but it was a good introduction. Look at the first thing Hashem says. You know what my great reward to you is? Listen to these words. When you do what's right in life, Hashem says, When you do what's good and right in life, when every day you get up and you make your berachot, and then before you eat something, you make a berachot. That's one way of showing, of doing the right thing. Hashem says, People translate that as, I will love you. As if Hashem has a side where He loves you and a side where He hates you. God forbid. Hashem loves us. 
unconditionally. We are His creations. Hashem never stops to love us. So what does He mean by Ahavichah? I mean, He will love you. Ahavichah means He will make sure that you feel the love. Ahavichah, the love will reach you. You will feel my love. If you do what's right in life, you will feel Hashem's love. Hashem's love is all over the place. But unfortunately, most of humanity, their hearts are blocked and they don't feel it. They live in a very unfriendly world, a world of pain, a world of complaints. But there are some people, like it says in this week's parasha, if you live a life according to Torah and mitzvot, if you do what's right, if you do the right thing when you're asked to, then you will, leave, you will live a life feeling loved by the creator of the world and you will be a much greater person because of it. Have a wonderful day.